0: We see it. So good to see more and more people coming in, and more and more people in the parking lot. That's awesome. And as we said before, um, what we what we believe is everybody is intelligent and can make a decision as to when it's appropriate for you and your family to come in, and and uh, we do social distancing in here and and trying to be careful, uh, but just, just so you know, that's, we're not in any hurry, so those of you in the parking lot, just relax, it's, it's fine, it's good. We'll keep serving coffee as long as you're there, okay, just so you know, the coffee and snacks, so, uh, so no matter where we are, we're, we're one fellowship, one body. Today we're going to finish this section of Genesis, except for the story of Joseph, which we're going to pick up a little bit later. My last message on Genesis 27 was, I did it my way. I did it my way. How the actions of four people all in the same family produced conflict, hurt, and a breakdown in relationships. All of them chose to take matters into their own hands and left God totally out of the equation, producing disastrous results. But we also looked at how God in His grace and love in the long term, was still able to turn my way actions into God's way results, His results. Romans 8, 28, that incredible verse that says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So God takes our mistakes, He takes our sins, our selfish, my way actions, and somehow makes good come out of that. It's amazing how He can do that. This is not fatalism. But faith, God, God does that. When we left Isaac and Rebekah and the sons Jacob and Esau, Jacob was heading off into exile because his brother was so mad he was going to kill him. Isaac and Rebekah were in conflict. The whole family was torn apart. And then last Sunday, Pastor Josh talked about Jacob's road to redemption, a great message if you weren't here, listen to it online. The road to redemption. And the fact that we are all on a journey, and God gives us all the opportunity for redemption, just like He gave Jacob that opportunity. And now today, 20 years later, we rejoin the family with a lot of history that's passed. Jacob had gone off into Mesopotamia, or Paddan Aram, and he had married Leah and Rachel, grew wealthy and lost livestock, and he left or kind of kind of escaped with his wives and his 11 children, and possessions to return home to Canaan. And we arrive at Genesis 32 and 33 to see what's going to happen with Jacob and Esau. How how is God going to do His work? Can He bring good out of this conflict? Can He make wrongs right? Can He make wrongs right? Today, we're going to look at making wrongs right. Five steps to reconciliation. Five Steps to Reconciliation. And I'd like you to turn with me to Genesis 32. We'll read uh, parts of this this passage, 32 through 33. Um, It's on page 27 of the Bible in the rack in front of you. And uh, we'll read part of this and jump into this this story as we continue. Verse 1, Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, servants and maidservants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau and now he is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the other group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and, make your, and, and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper. and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams. 30 female camels along with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. And he put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself, and said to his servants, Go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, When my brother Esau meets you and asks, To whom do you belong and where are you going? And who owns all these animals in front of you? Then you are to say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Esau, and he is coming behind me. He also instructed the second and third and all the others who followed the herds, you are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him, and be sure to say your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. That seems to be Jacob's modus operandi, a little bit of manipulation. Anyway, so Jacob's, Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons across the ford uh, of the Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he went over and sent over his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said to him, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Chapter 33, Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men, So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants, and he put them all in front of him, and he came up at the rear. Verse 4 says, But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you, he asked. He said, They are the children God has graciously given your servant. Esau asked in verse 8, he said, What do you mean by all these droves to find favor in your eyes, my Lord? He said. But Esau said, I already have plenty my brother, keep what you have for yourself. And he said, no, I won't. Verse 11, please accept the present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me, and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. Interesting passage. What we discover is God, God has a plan. God has a plan, and his plan includes reconciliation. includes something called reconciliation. This is the faith journey walked by Jacob and Esau and many others. And his plan for us includes a journey to and through reconciliation. If you are alive on this planet living and breathing, and most of you I think are today, sooner or later you will have a conflict or a breakdown in relationship. It's going to happen. Now, there are those chosen few Who seem to get along with everybody? These are the people we love to hate. They, They never have a fight, they are never disagreeable. Everybody loves them always, all the time. How many of you know somebody like that? Okay, some of you do. Okay, that's good. Most of us are not so fortunate. There are times we've done it my way and we caused a problem. Caused a problem. So how did Jacob and Esau reach reconciliation? And how can we reach reconciliation? Five steps to reconciliation. Not exhaustive, but illustrative here today. Number one is take the initiative. Take the initiative. I know it sounds rather obvious, but when there's a breakdown in a relationship, someone someone has to take the initiative or the relationship is never restored. And the initiator here is Jacob. Jacob was returning home. Maybe it was out of necessity. Maybe Jacob had selfish reasons. It, It might have been, if I don't make... Peace with Esau, he's going to kill me, you know, whatever that was. Self preservation. Or maybe Jacob had 20 years to think about true values, what really mattered. The longer one lives, the more we value family. Probably because they're the only ones that have to love us. Jacob's motives, we'll examine some later, but regardless of the why, Jacob knew what, and he took the initiative took the initiative. Now, in our conflicts and disputes, disagreements, fights, our hurts, someone must take the first step. Someone. Someone has to take the first steps. And the reason it's so hard to be first is that when we take the initiative, then we admit we did something wrong. If I take the initiative, I, I guess it's kind of admittance I did something. If both parties keep denying wrongdoing, nothing will ever be made right. And taking the initiative may require an admission of wrong, and someone has to take the first step. Somebody has to initiate. Now, Eau Claire Wesleyan Church has been around some 75, 85, almost 90 years. Is it possible there have ever been any wrongs committed here? Possible? have they been made right? How about in your family? You know, our families have been around a long time, too. And I know there are wrongs committed. The question is, have they been made right? The closer you are, the more painful the conflict. Someone has to take the initiative. And since you are hearing this today, that's you. Just saying. Okay? Someone has taken it, and it's, it's you. We like to be the first in everything else, but not the first in reconciliation. But God calls us, to take the initiative. And the second step in proving making wrongs right is prove your heart. Prove your heart, number two. What do I mean by that? Offer proof. You know, it's easy to say, I'm sorry. It's quite another thing to prove it, to prove that I'm sorry. That doesn't mean we're trying to earn forgiveness or just, we're just trying to prove our sincerity. Talk is cheap, actions are what speak. And Jacob took action here to prove to Esau to offer living proof that he was sorry and he really did want to make his wrongs right. And he gave gifts that actually cost him something. Now, let's look at the marriage relationship, for instance. The husband wrongs his wife and says, I'm sorry. Then he wrongs her and he wrongs her and he keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Repeatedly, well, your wife may need proof, okay? She needs to know that you're willing to remember to take the garbage out. i just just saying, okay? M- marriage needs proof when you say, I'm sorry. May- maybe time to talk it through. Acknowledge the issues, even even go to counseling. Go into counseling. Now, many times the wife is willing to go to counseling, the husband is not. Sometimes it's the other way around. husband wants to go to counseling and the wife doesn't. But there's something very, very much against our nature, especially men, to admit weakness, okay? I don't want to admit weakness because that means I need somebody. But sometimes we may need to prove our heart by being willing to work on it with somebody that will help. Go to a good Christian counselor. Besides, many fights need a good referee, okay? Just say that, just say it. Many fights need a good referee. I, w- I was counseling a, a couple once in my office in a rather heated session And I felt like I was a boxing referee. You know, it's like I wanted to separate, go to your corners. You know, I mean, it was really intense. Well, by God's grace, I helped him get through some really sticky communication. And at the end of the session, the man asked me, he said, can you just come home with us for a few weeks? (laughs) And we laughed, we all laughed. And I said, I don't do this kind of house calls, I'm sorry. But but it was one of those things, it's like, I, they needed somebody, and sometimes we need a third part, sometimes we need help to prove that we're serious. See, relationships are tough. Relationships are tough. How can we prove our heart to the offended party? And I'm not talking about bribery. That's, that's insincerity. Reconciliation may require proof to be accepted. Proof. The third part of making wrongs right is examine your motives. Examine your motives. The offended party surely will, too. Why did Jacob give gifts? He wanted to prove his heart, but also had some questionable motives. Jacob was human, and he had some wrong motives, especially at first, I think. What what are some of the wrong motives for making things right? Uh, The first one was obvious. It was fear. (laughs) Fear. Jacob feared the consequences of not making the wrong right. Esau's coming to meet him with 400 men last time he saw him, he said, I'm going to kill you. 400 men is enough to do the job, just so you know. He was in fear. The second wrong motive could be appeasement, appeasement. And we have to be amused at Jacob's attempt to appease Esau in stages. Only, you know, only somebody, somebody like Jacob would think of this. Okay, I'm going to, how am I going to do this? Okay, I'll get him one. I'll, I'll do it in three stages. I'll send him this and send him this. And it's like he's going to appease him. He wanted to make sure Esau knew that he was rich, number one, and he had a lot to give him. One writer says it was probably to awaken the desire for some kind of a gift. He, you know, Maybe he'll want to get more, and I keep giving him a little bit more. It was just this, this thing of appeasement, lots of gifts. And, of course, for Jacob, giving away half his possessions was better than losing all of them and his life. So he had motives, manipulation and appeasement, of course, the third, third motive for him was survival, survival. Jacob wanted to protect his family. And the question is, if we're in need of reconciliation with someone, what, what are our motives? What are our motives for reconciliation? Is it fear? Maybe you fear reputation. Maybe you can't sleep well. Uh, maybe you fear for your health. There are consequences of carrying bitterness, you want to make peace because it's so hard to live with conflict constantly. Maybe you see that same family member at holidays. Or you keep running into that person at the mall or at the grocery store. <laughs> or you live in the same house. Or you attend the same church. Your kids go to the same school or they play on the same team. They go to the same summer camp. And so we just want peace. So there's survival, fear, and appeasement. But Jacob had some right motives, too. Usually, our desire for reconciliation carries a mixture of wrong or selfish motives and right motives. It's usually kind of a mixture. Let's look at what right motives are about reconciling, making wrongs right. First one is obedience to God. Obedience to God, very simply. I believe Jacob understood that his relationship with his brother was inseparable from his relationship with God. Inseparable from his relationship with God. And reconciling is commanded by God. We are to love God. We are to love our neighbors ourselves. We're also supposed to love our enemies. Okay? I know. It's impossible. Only in God's strength. But God loves him. God loves her. That person you're at odds with, just remember, God loves him or her as much as he loves you. Okay? I know that's hard to believe. certainly loves me more than that person. yeah, Yeah, okay. God loves him or her as much as he loves you. Obedience to God. The second right motive is just very simply love. Love. Love for God, love for our enemy, love for our fellow man. Now, whatever our motive, right or wrong, even mixed motives like Jacob, the bottom line is his main concern was, in essence, obedience to God. Now, I I don't believe it's possible for human beings to have totally pure motives. Uh, There's too much sin and selfishness in each one of us. But don't wait until you have totally pure motives before you right your wrongs. Don't wait. Don't wait. Jacob would have never reconciled if he had waited until his motives were perfectly pure. He just obeyed God, took the initiative. So you take the initiative, prove your heart, examine your motives, and number four, Pray. Pray. Basically, you see that he began to pray. Chapter 32. Jacob did everything he knew how to do first, then he prayed. Um, That was Jacob's fourth step. Prayer probably needs to be our first step. Just saying. Probably needs to be our first step. Jacob prayed. Jacob got alone with God. And that showed his true heart. And there, there are two encounters recorded here. It's kind of prayer in three, three parts. The first one is confession in verse 10 of 32. Confession, in which he says, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff. When I crossed the Jordan, I have become two groups. He basically demonstrates humility. Jacob admits his unworthiness to be loved by God. Having all he has, he just admits his unworthiness. He admits it was God who gave him everything, and it's God's kindness and his faithfulness. The critical first step in making wrongs right is to see ourselves as we truly are. That all of us, in essence, all of us are unworthy of God's love on our own. We can't earn that. It's not something we earn. God has given us everything we have. And you know what that does? It, it strips us of our self-righteousness and our pride. And then when we are stripped of our self-righteousness and pride, then we can see the other person the way God sees them, through God's eyes. See, God loves us all, not on the basis of how good we are, but because of his grace. It's a great leveler of all things. Romans 2.4 talks about the fact that it's God's kindness that leads us towards repentance. His kindness. His goodness. We have what we have now because we've earned it, but because of God's faithfulness. And confession just kind of brings us all to the same level, brings us to the same level. That's what he did here. The second prayer is petition, verse 11. He prayed for God, and this demonstrated dependence, humility followed by dependence. God, I can't handle this. Esau may kill me, kill my family. And for us, it's like, and, and if it looks impossible, then let this be part of your prayer. God, I can't reconcile on my own. I, I'm afraid to bring it up. I'm afraid to deal with this. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what, what to hap- what's going to happen. And I don't know about you. I, I fear the unknown. I don't like surprises. And when I'm, I like to be able to kind of predict the outcome. And so... So if I'm going to reconcile, I kind of want to know what's going to happen. You you don't ever know what's going to happen. And honestly, there have been times I've been able to reconcile. It's been awesome. Very few times, but it's happened I was unable to. The response was so negative. It was devastating. God, I need your help. God, I need you to accomplish reconciliation. That's dependence. And the third part of the prayer is wrestling, wrestling. This, is, this has to do with struggle. Verse 24 to 29, very interesting passage. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And he blessed him there. This demonstrates struggle, struggle. Jacob was totally alone. His past had finally caught up with him. And afraid of the consequences of his past actions that could harm his family, afraid he could lose everything. He wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. Now, we're not going to get into all the details of what is called a theophany. Most people believe these were pre-incarnate or pre-New Testament appearances of Jesus Christ. Okay? We're not going to get into all that. We don't have time to, to unpack that. But we do know that Jacob, all alone, faced with fear and uncertainty, being humbled, admitting his dependents, still needed more work, and he wrestled, he wrestled with God. All alone, this schemer and dreamer, this man who had manipulated and won all his life, was now faced with the terrible inadequacy of his own humanity. Now he knew he needed God. Now he knew he needed God. Many of you here this morning have wrestled with God. Exercise in futility, if there ever was one, but you've actually wrestled with God. But when we wrestle with God, God gives us answers, gives us victory, and gives us change. When we wrestle with God, defiance turns to obedience, self-sufficiency to reliance. Pride becomes brokenness. Independence turns into submission. Impurity changes to purity. Wrestling with God works out the impurities in our lives. And it's through wrestling that we win victories, victories. And Jacob receives a new name, a new name. Verse 28, your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel because you have struggled with God and men and have overcome. Jacob in his new name would be continually reminded that Man overcomes as he knows the overcoming power of God in him and through him. Well, the final step in making wrongs, right, is simply one word, forgive, forgive. While no words of admission of guilt are recorded, the actions of the brother, both brothers, speaks volumes. Now, when I think about two guys, I think about my brothers and and. Think think about two guys trying to reconcile. The one says, You know that thing I did? Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. We're okay? Yeah. Awkward hug, and we're done. You know, that's that's how a lot of people view reconciliation. No. We need to learn how to say, I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm sorry, and I forgive you. I was wrong. I am sorry, and I forgive you. We must teach our children the same thing. And it doesn't matter how old we are, how long we've lived, how many conflicts we've resolved. It is still one of the most difficult things to do is to say, I'm sorry. I forgive you. After his struggle with God, Jacob settles his relationship with his brother Esau. See, we cannot separate our relationship with God from our relationship with other people. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 6, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow, Jesus said that? Yes, yes. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. F.F. Bruce wrote a book, The Hard Sayings of Jesus, and he includes this. The Hard Sayings of Jesus, he includes this, and he writes this. It is to be expected then that those who receive the forgiveness which God holds out in the gospel, those who call Him their Father, will display something of His character and show a forgiving attitude to others if they do not... What then? So, said Jesus, in this way my heavenly Father will deal with any of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Revoke a pardon once granted? God would not do a thing like that. Surely, Jesus said he would. A hard saying, indeed. God, in Jesus, reconciled people to Himself by love and grace, by forgiveness. And as children of God, we are called to do the same. Making wrongs right, it's it's hard work. It's costly. And as we see the example of Jacob, after 20 years, he took the initiative, proved his heart, examined his motives, he prayed and forgave. Maybe this week you need to make a phone call, send an email, write a letter, set up an appointment. Start with prayer. Ask God how He wants you to make things right. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You Our God who wants your children to be in right relationship with you, but also with one another and people that are not in the kingdom. And I just pray today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts about making wrongs right. You'll bring things to our memory, and I know that sometimes that's a little disturbing. But I pray, God, that we would take your word at heart but also realize that in order for us to move forward, many times we need you desperately. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, today that you would help us to move forward. In Jesus' name, let's stand, shall we?